Hello, no holds barred witchcraft fans. Today we are talking about Hocus Pocus. You know that was it Disney, Chris? Is it Disney film? Te- Feels like a Disney. Technically, thing. I think so. No, it might be a Disney thing. The the Sanderson sisters. You know, I put a spell on you, and now you're mine. All of that jazz. Now I know a lot of the time. You know, when it comes to witches making YouTube videos, they always want to comment about new programs that come out and old programs that come out and talk about how it's misappropriating their craft and that sort of thing. I think we're just going to agree that Hocus Pocus is a classic and that we like it, don't we, Chris? It's a classic, yeah. And obviously at the moment they're talking about actually revamping it and bringing it out a, a sequel. A sequel after 30 years. Oh, a sequel? Yeah. Oh, wow. That might be quite good if it's a sequel. I don't like it when they reinvent it. Oh, no, they're not remaking it. it That might be quite good if it's a sequel. I don't know how you do a sequel, but, you know. Well, I'm sure that hopefully they'll make a good job of it, and I'm sure we'll watch it. Um, So, basically, instead of talking all about the storyline and all that crap, because these people have probably watched it, and if they haven't, they need to go away, let's just delve into the magical sides of things. So tell me, Chris, what is the secrets of the Black Flame Candle? (laughs) Well, good luck trying to find a virgin is all I'm going to say. They're so hard to find these days. But, but, But does that mean a virgin is in the never been to bed with someone virgin or is it a magical version because there's a lot of magical versions within the witchcraft community (laughs) we call them wiccans don't we (laughs) (laughs) well i was thinking yeah i I wouldn't possibly say such things there's certainly a lot in them in the ceremonial magicians club look at that they call them theoretical (laughs) magicians look at that we're only two minutes in and i already dropped the w word (laughs) (laughs) were the sanderson sisters wiccans no definitely not no were they traditional witches (laughs) i don't believe in that's a controversial term i don't i I don't think they had a stang they can't be a traditional witch surely all traditional witches have got stangs i don't know but they were devil worshippers weren't they Oh, well, that, they're that kind of chillings, uh, chilling adventures of Sabrina type witches, the ones no yeah. one likes because everyone thinks they, witches don't have never worshipped the devil and such. Well, they've never met the folk devil then, have they? Oh, that old pesky folk devil. Yeah, that old pesky folk devil. So, so the secrets of the black flame Sorry. candle. Then. <laughs> black flame candle. Can you candle. spill some secrets? What is a black flame candle? Well, it's a candle with a black flame. (laughs) Right. And how do you make a black flame candle? Well, the strange thing about it, if I remember rightly, was that it almost sounded like a hand of glory. It was talking about kind of a um, the fat of a black uh, of a hanged man, that sort of thing. I'm sure it did. Yeah. In order for them to make it, but I can't remember exactly what they said. It would have been really useful if we'd have watched the film before this, wouldn't it? to actually refresh ourselves but you know from what i remember of the hocus brocus uh parody song it was if you light the black flame candle if the black flame candle's lit by a virgin then the sanderson sisters come back so is it like a, a little fell safe in case you as a witch get killed or whatever then it's a candle which enables you to come back to life is it something like that Maybe because I thought that, but it was kind of the modern black. It was kind of a reconjure, wasn't it? So they'd when they died, 
they'd put this failsafe in that they would come back. So yeah. it was a long-standing curse, but it was really specific. Like it had to be lit by a virgin on a full moon on Halloween. And yeah. Yeah, but it was created by Winifred, wasn't it? And she's one for her correspondences, hence why she carries a book around everywhere. <laughs> she's what she you you may be right when you call them Wiccans because they they like their correspondences also. I did not call them so Wiccans. Maybe, maybe you they're did. not. Maybe they're. Maybe they're not traditional witches. Maybe they are Wiccans. They're just really, really powerful Wiccans, if there's such a thing. Well, isn't that what they call traditional witches? <laughs> <laughs> powerful Wiccans. Oh, you're so bad. Powerful you're Wiccans. So bad. Trad witches. That that um that book she carries around with the human eye. Yeah, it's it. also made of flesh. Right, because I was thinking that it was that new book that's come out by Keldon. <laughs> oh dear! Is, is that not is that not just the limited edition of uh, traditional witchcraft by Keldon? <laughs> Does that tell you how to make a black flame candle? Because you know our lady poisons lent me that book, don't you? Oh dear! I picked it up today. She said you like reviewing really books don't you well here's this book by someone called Keldon and I said well I have heard of this Keldon person there's a YouTube vid, uh, YouTube channel about it and I said I'm not gonna judge prejudge it until I've read the book so she's lent okay. me the book so maybe we'll have to do something about that but anyway the secrets of the black flame candle I'll <laughs> tell you the secret of the black flame candle because if I don't tell you then an insta witch will tell you basically black flame candle you get a normal black candle you take a little video of it or a picture <laughs> and then you apply a special instagram filter <laughs> with and then post it with the appropriate hashtags on Instagram, and then you become a witch. It's a kind of initiation. Oh, so a okay. lot of people initiate by by taking a picture of some crystals, maybe nice manicured hands, nice nails and some crystals. They'll take a picture, and then you need to add the appropriate magic words, which nowadays on the internet, millennials would call hashtags. Back in the day, they were magic words. Nowadays, it's hashtags. <laughs> and that's all you need to be to be a witch these days, is that you need the magical words, which are, in fact, hashtags. So all you baby, baby boomers and Generation X out there, which don't know what I'm talking about, well, I'm translating that to you traditional witches. Magic words, back in the day, words of power, nowadays hashtags, okay? <laughs> There's a secret for you. Oh, I don't think this was supposed to be a rant video recording. No, well, let's get back to it then. <laughs> So there's a couple of themes in Hocus Pocus, isn't there? There's yeah. them coming back from the underworld, presumably, being triggered by the uh, failsafe. I don't know if I'd call it a curse. I think it's a curse as in they said because they've been hung or driven out of town. I think they got killed, didn't they? Hung or something. Yeah, I think so. They said they'll come back if a virgin lights this candle. So I see that as a failsafe device to trigger uh, um, reanimation. Yeah. Of course, because they come back all old and haggard, don't they? Yeah, and then they have to breathe in children. Kind of... Yeah. So there's that. There's the whole Pied Piper thing, which actually I found out is not quite 
as cool as what we imagined. Yeah. So with the Pied Piper thing is some, I forget what is the blonde one. The blonde one, what's her name? I, forget I don't her know. Name She's is. the one that played by uh, um, Thingy out of Sex and the City. Yeah, so she sings a song and then it leads all the children like the Pied Piper. Yeah. Now, what I didn't realise is that that's not actually how it works. So what they did was feed a potion to the children, but that scene got deleted because Uh... there wasn't enough time to put in. So it's actually a proper traditional witch's poisoning of children's minds by giving them hallucinogenic drugs. Oh, wow. So it is traditional witchcraft. Maybe, maybe. It's not actually witchcraft. Yeah, that would make it traditional witchcraft because there was actually some witchcraft involved. And flying ointments and and herbs and and stuff. Well, yeah, she did ride a a vacuum cleaner. That was one of my favourite scenes. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a cat, which was actually a person. So a person transfigured or turned into a cat as a curse. Yeah. There seems to be somewhat immortal, I think, doesn't he? Because he's a very, very long-lasting cat. Well, I think he's actually got nine lives. I think that is how they play it in it. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. And then you've also got reanimation of, um, I think it was her dead ex one, yeah. a zombie man. Yeah. Yeah. Billy or something. William something. Yeah, it was Billy, I think. Yeah. William, which they called Billy. Yeah. Um, who was still doing her bidding. So he was still a cuck even when he came back. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what are we going to tackle then? What one of, what, Which of these things today are we going to explain how to do? Well, one, one we didn't mention first, I think, is Coven Dynamics was the cool thing about it. Is you've got this little trio of witches, because that's that. And Winifred's in charge. Winifred's in charge. And that just... The ugly... Well, is she the ugliest? I don't know. She's the oldest, isn't She's she? She's the oldest sister. The oldest is in charge. Yeah. That's it. The older, the older sister's in charge of the younger sisters. Yeah. That's the Coven Dynamic there. Yeah. Hereditary witchcraft, that is. So they... Ah... Normally you see it over several generations, though, don't you? Normally it's like the granny and then you've got the, you know, oh, I wouldn't like to say mother, maiden and crone type dynamic, <laughs> but that's the stereotypical one, isn't it? That's yeah. kind of like the charmed style yeah. thing. But they kind of had got that going on with the Winifred sisters because they didn't look very close in age. Well, that's because they hadn't finished. Uh, they, they, yeah, they were slightly different in age, but also... They didn't have enough potion, did they, to bring them all back to their full youth, technically. Space. So it works out well, I think, with the archetypes because of that. Mm. But who knows what they'll do in the next the, the so next I mean, I have one. no idea what they would do. Anyway, sorry, what do you want to do? I don't know. Well, I think what's the, what's the most common um type of magic that they do in that there's quite a fair amount of potion making isn't it? that seems to be yeah it's very it's very kind of macbeth you know eye of newt toe of frog that sort of shit mm. so and a lot of hand zapping lightning and stuff oh yeah forgot about that bit so, no, I just, yeah, I think it's got this very kind of Macbeth-y kind of feel to it, hasn't it? Of of being yeah. these kind of haggard old crones that want to suck the youth out of uh, out of children um, in order to live forever. 
Like it, it, it's got that very kind of Disney witch meets meets Macbeth. Um, but no, okay. What do you want to tackle first? I guess well, Pied Piper is quite a cool one. Let's start there. The Pied Piper. Okay, so obviously they need children as an as an ingredient, don't they? Yeah. But also, I think it's almost like a biblical plague the biblical plagues of egypt and i'm taking your firstborn son kind of yeah. thing it kind of feels like we're going to exact our revenge by stealing your youth to a certain extent as well um but aren't they also scared of children in that yes i don't quite they're scared of children i don't yeah. quite get i never quite got that bit why they were scared of children is it because they're pure maybe but then they're required as an ingredient in pretty much everything they do. Like, but is that because they... Yeah, but we, we've used some nasty ingredients that I wouldn't really want to touch with my hands. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, so the Pied Piper, which we have now established, it was actually cut, the, the potion given to the children to put them in that kind of a suggestible state, zombie state, Yeah, essentially. That was mainly... Uh, the song wasn't so much a magical song. So it's not really actual magic so much going on there, but it is a, kind of a distraction, a follow me along. Yeah, kind of it thing. was a collection more than a... So it's still kind of Pied Piper in the sense that it was yeah. music, following music, but the actual administering of the, of the spell work actually begins with a potion. That's cool. I, yeah. I actually didn't know that bit. You find parallels with that in, uh, I won't, don't really want to say shamanic practice, but uh, gap year student shamanic practice. Oh, yeah. In that you've got kids which take copious amounts of drugs, whether it be magic mushrooms or ayahuasca and that. Mm. They just take the drugs. And then discover a guru. Because, and then discover a guru. But they don't have a disciplined mind and an idea of where to take them. No. So I like the parallel of they've been administered the stuff, but then she is taking them on a journey, on a ride. Whereas I don't see that a lot with these people that kind of experiment with flying. Well, they wouldn't even be flying ointments because you don't really see that outside witchcraft. But, you know, smoking the marijuana and all these very other... Um, magic mushrooms and stuff like that all these people think well i'll take those mind-altering drugs and that's it but actually if you look at traditional witchcraft practice there would be rituals and things you're programming the mind to take you somewhere and i like the fact that that's kind of illustrated although they did chop quite a lot of the scenery out i see it as illustrated there whereas you know People think that when it comes to working with flying ointments and that, that that's it. You just take the flying ointment and you lie down and that's yeah. it. But actually, no. in terms of getting to a destination, there needs to be extra stuff involved with that. Is that fair to say? D definitely. Yeah, it's just uh, people just assume that it's a case of, oh, well, I've just popped some LSD or some magic mushrooms and, be, you know, bada bing, bada boom. You're, uh, you know, in this special other side of the world whereas no that's why it's why we it's often referred to as riding the hedge like you've got to have actually mm. got to it and then participated it's it's not as simple as just simply 
going somewhere. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to do one on hedge riding at one point anyway, yeah. aren't we? At some point we're going to do. So I suppose we'll, we'll leave the real details to that. Um, but yeah, so in terms of why, why are they quite easily foiled then? It only takes a couple of kids to basically foil their their plans and such for something so powerful or a group of uh, girls that are so cat powerful with all of their lightning zapping and stuff like that. Yeah, but all you need is a circle of salt. Uh, well, there we go. Is it their magical aptitude that fails them or is it their, um, is it their personality? Because you see that a lot, don't you, when, yeah. when it comes to magical practice, whereas actually the psychology of the person that lets them down and not actually their magical ability. Yeah, where well, they just don't, don't understand their ability or, or can't get their, you know, push their willpower in, in, in the right direction in order to make something work that well. Um, or, yeah, again, kind of covered. I imagine, that, again, that's where covered dynamic, dynamics comes back into it, is that actually it's three incompetent people. One, <laughs> one out of the three thinks they're competent. Um, and therefore, you know, blind leading the blind kind of situation. Well, it's it's like those minions, isn't it? So you've got <laughs> what happens if you've got three minions that form a cover? Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose to a certain extent, it's the blind leading the blind. So it's kind of like one. If you've got a bunch of kind of nitwits, and one of them establishes themselves as the leader, then they're kind of stumbling around. I mean, they are given a book because that book's supposed to be given to Winifred by the devil, from what I remember. Yeah, um, Master. It was the devil's book of magic and stuff. Yeah, Master and all that. So at least, yeah, it's not a book by Keldon. No. Unless Keldon is the devil. Is Keldon the folk devil? I don't think so. Okay, all right. I'm just checking. No, I, I don't think he's got that much power. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so what else are we talking about? Sorry, I've, I've completely lost where I am now. So, yeah, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> you've got the... We've talked... <laughs> you've got the Raising the Dead part. So when you oh, when yes. she brings uh, Willie back, William... Physical necromancy. Physical necromancy. Like in, like in Old Norse, they were liquid, they loved a bit of physical necromancy And they'd, in Old they'd Norse. sewed his mouth shut, hadn't they? It was a proper traditional curse. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So he he's um he's been buried because he jilted her, didn't he? Didn't he cheat on her or something? I'm not I'm not sure. I can't remember. I'm presuming it was something like that because I presume she killed him. So she and killed him and so just married him, basically. Yeah, and so just married yeah. shut, so he could never speak of speak of all the things she he knew about them. Ah, right. Okay. And then yeah, she calls she calls him from the grave, and like you say, physical necromancy, um, and it is oh, it's just comical, isn't it? He's but he's got that kind of feel of the zombies from um, from the Michael Jackson thriller advert, you know. Yeah. So it's got that kind of you know dusty. He's um, yeah, it was good. It was good. Well. That was before people started using CGI and all of these things. It was actual puppets or costumes and stuff. And yeah. there's something to be said about that, I think. 
Um, but yeah, I miss the the days of where it was actual animatronics and costumes and all that kind of thing in these kind of films. But but there we go. So okay, so if you've got your little would be witch at home, and she wants to do a spell, or he wants to do a spell, or they want to do a spell um, on someone that would involve sewing their mouth together. Now, we don't recommend that they do that to the actual person, because that would probably break a lot of laws. Yes. But you could substitute the person, the physical person, for a puppet of that person. Definitely. Because I think that that's a popular thing, isn't it? Sewing the mouth of a puppet shut. Yep. See no evil, speak no evil. Do you no want to evil. talk us through that? So, um, okay, you want me to talk you through puppets. You're making me out to be the puppet person. I guess I am the puppet person. Well, no, person, I was just thinking but... in terms of giving them a spell, because I've listened to some other podcasts, and we've got actual competition in the fact that there are other witchcraft podcasts out there. Really? Now, I mistakenly thought that there weren't any, because there were some podcasts that I listened to that say witchcraft and that in the title, but they don't actually talk about any real magic. So I was thinking we were the only one at one point. But there are a couple where they give like spells and stuff. So I thought, well, maybe we should start doing something like that. Okay. So you give someone a super simple spell that involves sewing the mouth of something shut, whether it be a poppet or a toad. Familiar. Your neighbor's familiar. Because, of course, as we know from all of the modern traditional witchcraft books your cat is your familiar isn't it Chris <laughs> yeah totally um <laughs> my cats are a bad example because obviously <laughs> my... well your cats are possessed so that's that's a little bit different <laughs> so you know you know they get used quite often as vessels so that's slightly different but okay right so the most simple way would be to create some kind of effigy so um, it would be a case of, um, you know, making a very basic little doll out of some cloth or whatever. Um, obviously, or buy one from us. Or buy one from us. And then um, obviously you would make that up, stuff it up with whatever, you know, um, you want to fill it with straw, rosemary, you know, some kind of other magical stuffing, old rags. It really doesn't matter. It kind of depends on what you're going to do with it obviously i like to use something that belongs to the person to stick okay. that in there so uh, socks and pants are quite a popular one when it comes to spices and other half so if you can make the poppet out of that or stuff bits of that in the poppet but i like his with beginners i like as much magical stuff as possible you know stuff that actually belongs to the target if you can get that because they're covered in i'm not great at sewing though <laughs> no you normally get me to do it the um yeah the, obviously yes you can include biologicals but i don't necessarily need to include biologicals but the um one good no, way but around you're that... a super witch <laughs> you're a super witch you don't need a puppet anyway you just reach out with your mind and snap them in half <laughs> there is that but the everyday beginner can't do that chris okay sorry. you have to remember that sorry um <laughs> so yeah so it would be a case of Yes, making it out of whatever is to hand. So, like Liam says, particularly with kind of ex-lovers or anything like that, you've all you can guarantee somewhere in the house you're going to have, um, you know, an, a socks or pants or something like that that they left behind. It doesn't necessarily matter 
that of whether or not they are dirty but that obviously that helps if you can get them back for one more <laughs> one more um round just to kind of make sure that you've got something that has their essence still on it um it doesn't really matter the connection would be strong enough just from something they owned it spent enough time in their kind of aura space for lack of a better word um to have a strong enough connection to use um so obviously yeah then you can make it out of that or you can stuff it with those it really depends um obviously anything else you want to put in there um i would always put a rock of some description in there just because they tend to hold energies better than um cloth necessarily um if you're wanting to manipulate um it just helps to have some kind of access point there um get a cold cold rock from a river and stick it where their heart is if it's an ex-lover <laughs> so yeah and then it's a case of kind of personalizing it so you don't need to make sure that it looks like them however if you're a complete beginner the more that you can make it look like that it, you've got to remember this is about the kind of phys it's sympathetic magic so this is um you the more you can make it look like that person the more the easier it is for you to make that connection that it is that person you want to have to spend as little time as possible having to focus on who it's for it should instantly go oh that's that's joe like you know what i mean that's uh, the second you see the poppet so the quicker that 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 might forces your unconscious mind to make that connection the better um then obviously i have a question go on Who's Joe and what did he or she ever do to you? Oh, I was going for Joe Bloggs. <laughs> oh, Joe Bloggs. Joe Bloggs. Ah, the one that broke your heart. Yeah, obviously. Joe Bloggs. Joe Bloggs. Okay. He's currently got his mouth sewed up. Well, he's, he's six feet under like William. Um... <laughs> You've lost your train of thought Yes, now, I, was, I was suddenly trying to think where I left his soul last but anyway, in the underworld, isn't it? I don't know. I wouldn't have been that nice to him, surely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the hell realms. One of the hell maybe. realms, maybe. But yeah, so then once you've got your poppet and you've made the connection, uh, it's a case of if you were going to sew its mouth up, you go. it's going to be some kind of spell of kind of silence uh, or a dumbing effect for whatever reason. So that might be that you made the mistake of letting them know secrets that they shouldn't know and therefore when they're gone you want to make sure that they don't spill those um it stop gossip stop gossip it might yeah it might be it might be that you want them to stop having the influence over others lots of people um gain influence over using their voice their charisma uh, charismatic voice um one way to stop something like that when you're jilted about someone that's a bit cheated, maybe um, sewing up their mouth is one way of doing that. So, did I miss anything? No, I was just going to say, but you said sympathetic magic, but I've not got any sympathy for them. <laughs> they deserve what they're getting. <laughs> not what sympathetic magic means, Liam, and you know it. Oh, well, what does sympathetic magic mean then? <laughs> Sympathetic magic means it's a kind of representational magic where it is similar. So it's got to be representational to the point that it represents 
um, the motion of what it is actually doing. So a mouth would be sympathetic of um, speech or silence or any any word that you can associate with that. Sympathetic magic, tradition, uh, sympathetic magic traditionally would be something that uh, would match. So it might be that when you were cleansing, you would be sweeping. You know, it is that kind of that is sympathetic. Uh, like magic. old Gerald Gardner sweeps with his, his uh, I was going to say his magic wand, his magic broom, his old fashioned broom. Yeah, so that's sympathetic magic, um, where it is a simple representation of the actual um, job you want it to do. Sympathetic magic is used quite a lot in magic, especially the older sorts you tend to find, particularly when you look at um, really ancient forms of magic. They say cave paintings kind of sympathetic or representational magic because they would paint these things, uh, scenes depicting hunts, successful hunts, but they'd say that they'd paint them before the hunt took place. Yes, not after. Yeah, it's a bit like spells. I think you've done spells, uh, helped people do spells and affirmations and things before for people that want a new job or they want their... Did you have one that's for someone's son that had a new wanted a new job or a career or something like that? Oh. Uh, I remember you saying something like that. Yeah, that was a very different kind of poppet where she didn't even realise that's what she'd done, where she drew, uh, she drew right. a caricature of her son and... Um, um, and then would surround it with all the great qualities he had and all the positivity. Um, and she'd put it up in her studio. And whenever she looked at it, she yeah. sent all this positive energy towards it. Um, well, that's a really interesting one. And unfortunately, we are out of time for this edition of the podcast already. But we can probably continue for the Patreon if you like. Yeah, why not? So with representational magic... Do you find you probably don't do a lot of representational magic personally, though, do you? Do you think that there comes a point when you just stop doing that because you don't really need to? What what, yeah. what is that point for so most the, people that you find from a student perspective? So the core part of why sympathetic magic is kind of most common and the easiest way to, you know, the easiest way to push something like that is because it's about programming. It's about you programming your subconscious mind to take over and do the job that needs to be done. So the difference is, is when you get to the point where you no longer need to program yourself um, and you are actually just pushing will directly because your conscious mind and your unconscious mind have an agreement, essentially, um, is at that. I think it's at that point you use less and less sympathetic magic. Like, I'll still use puppets occasionally, um, obviously more so for clients than I do anybody else. But in that moment, it's not, I don't necessarily need that puppet to go to the extreme of what does that puppet look like. To me, it just needs to be a rough body form that reminds me I'm dealing with something human. Like, beyond, beyond that, there is no, that's kind of the limit of the sympathetic magic for me. Whereas if you've got a complete beginner, it might be that they want to add hair and a face and, and dress it up, um, like in these mm. more traditional ways of working. But then again, we work in a very cerebral way of looking at the world. Um, whereas most of these cultures, when they were doing these things, was so long ago 
that they're like unlikely to be literate. So they, they're going to rely heavily on representational and sympathetic magic, aren't they? Yeah. So because they're going to want it to look like Joe Bloggs when they hand it to another person that you can't explain to them how it works. They go, oh, it looks like that that guy you want me. I wanted you to curse. Yeah. Now go drop it in the well. Like, you know, that bit, you only need to have that connection enough for that person to bond with. And I suppose, um, you know, particularly with, the, you know, the roots of them with the rag doll in in as a protective guardian in the child's bed that looking exactly like them is is not only great in that kind of protective space because it's going to be easier for the child to bond with something that looks like them um but also has that potential of teaching that that child with the use of the puppet so you know it could be Oh, this is this is how we do this. This is how we do that. Um, add this to that. So, um, yeah. And I suppose you get to the point where a student doesn't need that level of representation. Um, I it, I think in some ways, a lot of the beginners that we tend to find, the ones that kind of find us um, for mentoring, um, a lot of them have already established enough of an understanding before they found us, I suppose. Whether it's a good way or a bad way. I mean, we've got just as many people that find us because they like what we do from a perspective of knowing and seeing another practitioner work. But then we've equally got a lot of people that have been taught by terrible mentors before. <laughs> And have to get someone else yeah. to, to show them what what's going on, what's going wrong. Um, there is something that I think that we haven't quite picked up on that's quite subtle, I think, within the storyline. And that, of course, is Halloween in general. Okay. Uh, the Sanderson sisters are horrified to find that Halloween has become a festival of disguises. And I think, from what I remember, they... they looked when they first got there they didn't realize that there were any people around because everyone was in a disguise yeah so when it comes to the fooling of spirits and stuff like that you find that an awful lot um in folk magic i suppose whether it's um your uh pumpkin carving and stuff like that where traditionally you'd you'd well would probably be a turnip if it was traditional but you know when it comes to pumpkins and putting the faces out there to scare away evil spirits. Yeah, or gargoyles on some... churches. Yeah, gargoyles is another good one. I mean, to a certain extent, you can see them as protectors from the perspective of egregores and that as well as actual spirits themselves. But also, I suppose, why would you say that some spirits are so easily fooled by things like this? Because you do see a lot of mundane things trip spirits up and it might not trip deities up but your everyday spirit is it that kind of fourth dimensional living the yeah, way it sees things I think, and that? I think some of it is part of the fact that um it's the strangeness of something so simple um, um I'm trying to think of the best way to explain what I mean um but is that kind of uh, at the thinning of the veil kind of moment where it's crossing over from 
an astral realm where everything is so pliable to something so solid um, mm. as something three-dimensional. Um, I think in some ways I imagine it's that. Like you imagine not having to um, experience anything solid yeah. And then to hit something as hard as something in the three-dimensional world, like a gargoyle, like, you know, that is well and truly something, something so fixed in, in a specific point. I think from a perspective of travelling amongst different universes, and we're on the Patreon so we can talk about that sort of thing, mundane people and everyday people think of the uh, physical world as the lowest point yeah um as the boring kind of bit but actually if you look at it from going downwards instead of upwards down is up so when you're talking about manifesting power actually to a lot of spirits we might think of or some practitioners and beginners and particularly religious people look at spirits and find the masters of the universe and of magic and stuff like that but actually, that's just because you're looking things from a physical perspective up and you're thinking that the etheric realms yeah. are, to a certain extent, more upward, more advanced, that kind yeah. of thing, than the lower realms. But actually, there are some things that look the opposite. It's like, wow, that's got a physical body. It must be powerful. Yeah. You know, because it's able to manifest in that realm. And although that's not true for all spirits, don't get me wrong, but there are obviously... Um, minimum wage workers in the physical world there are minimum wage workers in the astral world and we call them angels particularly intelligent things <laughs> oh well that's just mean isn't it <laughs> so bring, bringing us on to our next uh our next thing which i'm not entirely sure how we define or make the clear definition between magic and psychology here this might okay. be an interesting conversation dance until they die so obviously they use a little song the famous song obviously from the hocus pocus i put a spell on you and now you're mine bloody bloody blah, blah to um they cast it on the parents at city hall at the city hall halloween party and it's an enchantment and it's basically mind control isn't it yeah now where do you draw the line from mind control? Because more and more as psychology, as a um, science, I suppose, or pseudoscience or profession, you know, um, is understanding more and more about how the brain works. And you've got people like uh, Darren Brown that can control people's minds and stuff using psychology. Mentalism. Techniques. Where does mentalism, yeah, Patrick Jane from The Mentalist, that kind of thing. Where where do we draw the line now when it comes to magical, the forcing of someone's will and the controlling of someone using magic versus psychology? And is there even a line to draw from? What What is it? That's a big discussion, I know. But is there any points that come to mind from that? I don't know. Like I say, that's a huge topic. Um, I I suppose... We use it all the time, but in a very different way. Nowadays, it, it's in the worlds of Instagram and whatever. It, they're, they're called influencers, yeah. uh, which is yeah. that you use the visual in order to sell an idea or, or concept. Whereas before, you'd have to be, you know, if you were going back even 100 years, um, as little as that, 
um, you're talking about people who have to be fairly, um, you know, uh, fairly intelligent, um, very charismatic, all these kind of snake oil charms, charms people. Um, salespeople salespeople <laughs> like you know that's what it was that was originally what it was about you had to sell an idea because you only had to be more imaginative than the person you were selling it to yeah. whereas now that has to involve the visual now with cgi and all those sorts of things people are, are, are capable of dreaming much bigger because they're used to seeing that kind of fan a fantastic um glorious kind of um elaborate images that it's hard for you know even with like theme parks and and the worlds of horror movies for example how hard they have to work now to try and make people scared you know they're having to then rely more on what they do with the music and things like that because they are so used to that level of cgi that they're now having to try and convince them in a new way um yeah you know back in the 90s for us it was buffy uh you know buffy and plas um plastic uh whatchamacallit um prosthetics in order yeah, to change true. the face whereas now we can do it digitally uh, and do it you know um what was that first one that really blew everyone's mind when it came out? oh monsters inc the the hair moving on on sully individual fibers that they created in order to get the uh, the wind to blow through his hair um when he was climbing the mountain like you know that kind of like we're so now used to this over sensory uh visual you know feast um that people aren't as easily fooled by people with words anymore to in the same way as they probably were a hundred years ago when they were going, oh, this this magic. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go with the um, the demon barber now, the Sweeney Todd, um, miracle Sweeney elixir. Todd, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, all they needed was a convincing wig to say that this tonic could grow its hair back. You know, like it's mm. it's that kind of that's that's the two extremes of where we've gone from is that kind of convincing people with a sleight of hand or or whatever, in order to make them believe that something's possible. Um, yeah, ma marketing. Yeah. Um, market marketing industry and psychology factors in so much to everything we do now, and people don't realise that even the most basic tools, people have been paid an awful lot of money to come up with the exact way that you do that. That little tweet, Twitter or Instagram flick that you do that is like a slot machine. Yeah. Uh, down at the casino is literally someone's got paid a lot of money to come up with that because of the way that they've worked out it has an effect on the psyche and on the mind now psychology plays a big deal in terms of magic and there's a real a real um line i suppose with people that think that magic and everything is all in the head and all these spirits and stuff that you communicate with are aspects of yourself oh uh, yeah and other things and it's a case of that's a big thing when it comes to limiting limiting your paradigm and moving past so when you see a lot of people nowadays particularly in chaos magic and stuff it's all put down to psychology and all these they still do magical spells 
they're based more in psychological yeah um, the psychological sciences or science in psychology and the way the mind works to trick itself affirmation type magic that yeah. kind of thing Mantras. as opposed to yeah as opposed to the big bad world and creation that the most witches are used to dealing actual with. chaos <laughs> yeah <laughs> actual chaos but it's the step that the first if you're an atheist and you've got not much experiments and no psychic uh, ability really yet then that's where you start off because it's logic is the logical you know yeah but reductionist I, science I just, is where people come from i find it strange when it moves into the kind of um the metaphysical when you're starting to when you meet all these kind of reiki healers and yoga teachers that constantly talk about the higher self um you know i'm not communicating with anything outside of my body or pulling energy from anywhere out in the universe i'm pulling it directly through myself um for you know i know all these things because my higher self tells me or um you know i just Yes, that is possible. Like, I'm not knocking the actual... It is possible to pull both energy and thought from your higher self. And by that, I mean kind of your soul. Um, whereas, they like, speak about it almost as if it's a another entity. That is, they are only a part of this larger entity of themselves. Um, again, like you say, I imagine it comes from this kind of... Um, atheistic kind of way of going um, going beyond that means part of God or whatever what blows my mind about it is that you they can have that sort of thought process with a methodology that comes from the east and is totally not designed in that way um, to be kind of I know that's kind of what they do you know, like with the the Reiki coming from Japan kind of thing. But, you know, it's, um, <laughs> you know, you, you still, it still baffles me sometimes when the historical uh, reference point at which that practice comes from is completely lost. Um, and I've probably just gone off on a complete tangent and I didn't mean to. What was the point of what I was it's saying? It's one of those subjects, though, isn't it? We yeah. are delving away from the... Uh, Pocus pocus and that so and we're about 40 40 odds 45 minutes in something like that so why don't we close with another big theme that you find in a lot of these sorts of films and books and that is the idea of magical timing because they yes. have until sunrise to complete their spell otherwise it's a permanent effect now whether it's anything like beastly that film with alex pettifer in it where he goes ugly because he's a narcissist and then he has yes. to have a year in order to have someone fall in love with him or the spell's permanent this idea of magical time is important most people think of magical time in within magic the magical community i think as Things that are currently around that influences your magical work, whether that be powers of magical days or astrology or that kind yeah. of thing. But most of this seems to be a, a running out of time kind of thing. Yeah, as opposed to an existing time frame at which you should practice, it's actually yeah. a limitation upon the spell that you've cast. How 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 long 
can you keep manipulating and moulding this clay before it goes hard? Yeah. Is a kind of thing. And it's a quite an interesting thing because I don't really think that that factors in that much in real magic. Um, I can't really think that that tends to happen a lot, but it's such no. a big thing in um, fantasy magic, isn't it? Yeah, and, and like I say, I think I think time. you've hit the nail on the head really there, which is that it is that kind of before the clay goes hard, it's a you've only you can only work with this shape for so long before you're stuck with whatever you've got to. Um, whereas I don't, is that kind of more about the human condition and actually that people think of the fact that they only have so much time, that kind of limitation of third dimensional living? Is that what kind of brings that that fantasy part of it? Well, I think there's a. I think it makes a good storyline because there is an end. There's a. Oh, we've yeah. got a rush to get to this destination before this time. You know, the idea of it's dynamic. the mummy where they've got to get into the tomb to save the boy who's got that thing on his arm. You know, yeah, all yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but I. I don't know. I wonder whether it's. Um, the misunderstanding of magical practices because when you think of because i've often talked about moon magic and stuff like that and i've said well yes the moon plays an influence but when i say to someone you need to keep taking this potion until the full moon i don't necessarily mean it because or i certainly in past lives i didn't necessarily mean it because of the fact that the moon plays any role whatsoever it's because they weren't wearing a watch they don't have clocks and things like that so and there's not there's not light pollution so when it comes to things like oh well you do this until (laughs) yeah instead of saying you do this for such and such days or what have you then it couldn't be quite easily start this when the moon is full and complete it when, when it's full again is full. Yeah, yeah exactly so it's like oh yeah like, that's that's easy even the village idiot knows when that is but nowadays we're divorced from that yes yeah i suppose um, magical timing is one of those things that it, it seems a little weird to me that it's where well, you need to do this before time runs out and the only time that i think of that kind of thing is that well if i want to do a new job spell to get this specific job by the time of the deadline for that job, then it makes sense that my magic should work in that time. Yeah. But technically, even so, that's not the case because you can literally have do magic spells and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, well, we did give the job to this other person, but actually they're now got ran over. So we're going to give it to you instead, even though the deadline's passed sort of thing. That's happened. So it's like the magical timing of running out of time. I wonder whether, yeah, you've picked up on something about people worried about their finite lives and and that kind of thing but also should there be more of that maybe because people tend to be inactive if they know they've got a lot of time to do it like the amount of students that i've got are that are part-time it's like mm. i set them one thing to do over two months ago they still haven't done it yet because i've said well you know do it in your own time yeah sort of thing and then nothing yeah. gets done and they think well i can do this oh, i'll do it next week i'll do it next week and you know another one along maybe that we time. should start teaching like that <laughs> yeah another one of those though is when you think about because obviously we we experience and play with time in very different ways uh, which is probably a bit more akin to what i'm about to say which is the one bit they do tend to kind of get right 
in the kind of fantasy timing is other worlds. So, you know, with like Tumnus uh, and whatever going through the, the wardrobe into Narnia um, mm. and time behaving differently. They've been gone several years. He's grown a beard and all sorts of things. And then he comes back. It's it's tomorrow. Like, you know, that kind of um, because they do have uh, fantasy writers, at least thanks to mythology, I guess, have that understanding of fairy rings and the fae timing um, of things being different in their worlds. Um, mm. So, you know, that we would go and spend, we could go and spend an entire month in an evening of dream space um, allows you to play with time in a very different way. Um, well, C.S. Lewis was an actual ceremonial magician, wasn't yeah. he? So he would have probably gone to these various places. I mean, people say it's a Christian and that kind of thing. Well, most ceremonial magicians come to it from Judeo-Christian magic. Yeah. So, you know, it goes it's, hand in hand. It's there. why it's so prescribed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can actually meet Aslan. There is yeah. a place where you can go. I've met Aslan, although I didn't call him Aslan, the white lion. No. Um, we have, yeah, we do can, have a... Uh, I'm pretty sure we've put a podcast entirely about that, haven't we? Somewhere on the list. The Lion, the Wiccan and the Wardrobe. Yeah, where I think we were going to talk about the Great White. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. So, but yeah. There we go. Is there anything else? Well, I just kind of, I suppose we should finish the thought really, which is that obviously where that, what do you do with that timing? Um, You know, I kind of get, I understand when you take something like Cinderella or whatever, where the dress is only going to last so long. Um, and the reason for that is she's only going to spare so much magic for you, love. She's only going to make one night good. The rest is up to you. Um, you know, so I kind of get those kind of timings when it's okay. when it's how so long the, the spell the will last. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I've done little bits and pieces before and I've said this is only going to last for a certain amount of time because I know that the energy in that, in that is going to wane. Yeah. Um, you're fighting the tide, you're fighting the current. And although you, you know, you can do it, it's whether you want to exercise the amount of energy that it takes to actually physically exactly. alter that current as opposed to just hold it back to a certain extent. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting, actually. Never which is wh- which is where I, I will normally advise beginners to work with the flow of energy as opposed yeah. to against it. One, for getting spell answers quicker, but also the fact is, is reminding them very early on that they, um, you know, you... The, it is easier and requires less energy to work in the direction of some kind of energy flow rather than to try yeah. and pause it for any kind of time. Um, you know, whenever somebody's wanted, oh, I need more time, that, that requires far more energy than if you were to um, follow on something as it was going in that direction. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a... It's a it's one of those. It is. It's. It's an interesting one. That again, we could probably do an entire podcast purely on magical timing. Um, magical timings. Of course, the brewing of potions because potions are mundane, technically yeah. mundane forms of magic that revolves around a linear time that we experience as humans. 
we actually have to wait for things to ripen and such <laughs> yeah so but, yeah there's times a big big thing in and, films and fantasy magic. and e- and equally with kind of you know uh, it's with with the sand timer again i think that that really goes back to um this idea of time running out um but you know the falling of the sands in order to um to you know with a with a sand uh, sand hourglass timer um that kind of does that hark back to a time when maybe something like that would have been used which provides a fixed unit of time an hour mm. or a day water clocks how they work with the case of actually well you still need to it, it's not a continual motion so you have to fill it to a point and in which is a fixed measurement of point and that will give you five hours until it's filled the next one and maybe there yeah. is a part of that that's in it is that the way that we look at time now is different because we see it continual as opposed yeah. to a stop clock almost kind of way of working of okay well i've got this amount of time to get it done uh, which i guess we do in 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 the modern terms um, I suppose in the fact that we work kind of nine to five or whatever, you have that kind of fixed unit in that sense now, but it's different. We're not fixed in the way that we have electric lights, which means we can work through the night if we have to. Like there is that kind mm. of fixed unit um, issue that I imagine will have played a big part in the, the storytelling um, of times gone by. Because again, again, all these stories um, in these films and shows and whatever are normally depicting a, a time gone. They're not set now, are they? They're set yeah. a long time ago in a galaxy, uh, galaxy far, far away. Yeah. So there is that kind of that necessary. Or in the not too distant future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have this. But now I've I've I was in HomeSense not too long ago, and they had all these sand timers, and I thought, I tell you what, I'd really like to get a sand timer for the consultation table, because the amount of times which we've had a, uh, oh, I really feel like I I'm at taking too much of your time, or you know, oh, mm. how, how, what do we get? And I thought, well, you know, we're willing to normally give an hour for our consultation in some events and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought a sand timer is nice for that sort of thing. You can literally just pick it up and pop it down and say, look, we're going to sort your problem within this by the time the sand settles. So keep asking questions until that, and then you've had your hour sort of thing. Yeah. But I can't find one that lasts an hour. I think the longest one I found was 20 minutes, something like that. So it's not even like I could turn it over again. But I do like that because they've got some nice ornate, strange ones in Home Sense. I do love that shop. <laughs> Aladdin's cave. Mm. Yeah, I do like it. Anyway, sorry. I think I think you're safe to end that there. I think. Well, there we go. So, everyone, thank you ever so much for supporting us on Patreon. We do really appreciate it. And of course, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss as a podcast. Or even if it's too in-depth for a podcast, we might even do a video or something like that. We're working on some more courses, much like the necromancy course that's out. So visual courses that will last a couple of hours that you can follow along and do that kind of thing. They should be released at some point. 
Um, and of course, if you want to name an episode, by all means, send us a message on the Patreon platform and say, why don't you do an episode called such and such? Because some people have already done that and we do like to hear your suggestions, even if you don't have a clue what you want it to be on. <laughs> just give us a random weird name for one. And we'll, we'll do figure the something out. 